Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 72. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide, and in 1999, I founded the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident outdoors by using traditional skills, a few simple tools, and field-based experience. Whether you're looking to go from city slicker to competent outdoor professional, want to experience a remote expedition, or just want to learn a few new outdoor skills, we've got you covered. You can check out the show notes to this and all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Smith, and it is Saturday, July 6th, 2019, and it's a heat wave out there. Uh, It's been in the 90s here in New Hampshire, where I've been since we finished the spring semester, Um, and that's hot. (laughs) That's really hot for here. Because the, the heat of the summer, at least up to this point in history, has been pretty short-lived here. We've never bothered to to go in with air conditioning or anything like that. Figuring there's only a week or so of hot weather each summer, but man, during that week of hot weather, which we're right in the middle of, yeah, it's always tempting to think about uh, you know going the air conditioner route. But anyway, it'll be winter again soon, so we're not gonna bother. Anyway, I'm here enjoying a short little break between the spring term and the summer term, which starts. Um, in another week for us. Uh, So summer term, we run week-long courses that you don't have to sign up for a whole semester to participate in. This year, we've got the the Summer Woodsman course, which is sort of our introduction to living in the country, or living off the country, I should say. Um, Course introduction to bushcraft, introduction to really everything that we do at the field school. And then following that, we've got our Riverman course, which is our expedition canoe skills course, um, where people come out and they learn how to pole, paddle, line, excuse me, pole, paddle, line, and carry a canoe, as well as a lot of the onshore uh, skills such as fire, axe, cooking over the campfire, um, things like that that really serve you well during a life outdoors traveling around by the greatest craft the most versatile craft that's ever been created Uh, both of those courses are full for 2019 but uh, we'll be running them both again in 2020 it looks like we're going to expand the riverman into a into a two-week summer allagash experience Uh, so it'll be sort of a, a cross between a course where you learn all sorts of interesting things and a remote trip you know out on the land enjoying Um, just the beauty of of northern Maine. Uh, Anyway, today what I want to talk about is seven reasons to participate in a long-term wilderness course that have nothing to do with becoming a wilderness guide or bushcraft instructor. I think, you know, we're often quoted as saying that we do professional guide training and we do, but I think that um, that can sound somewhat limiting. You know, for example, why would I want to 
if my long-term goal is not to become a professional guide, why would I want to participate in a program that, you know, that's where I'm going to learn? Um, but, you know, it brings up a really interesting point. And that point is that, you know, many youngsters uh, play sports in their youth and, you know, through high school, college, whatever. But very few of those people who participate in athletics will go on to become professional athletes, right? The statistics are incredibly stacked against you if that's your plan. Um, you know, the one in, you know, if you're the best player at a certain sport in your county, uh, you probably still won't graduate to getting paid to do it. Um, so, yeah, very few people who play sports will become professional athletes. Um, but it's still highly promoted, you know, in addition to the obvious physical benefits of being out on the field competing, there are lots of other things that are learned that are applicable off the field. Uh, so it's the same with bushcraft and survival training. Um, so in education, this idea is called transference or transfer of learning. And essentially it means how do you apply what you've learned in one context? Uh, how do you apply it in a totally different context. <clears throat> now, for longtime listeners know that I had a long and uh, not very illustrious hockey career, um, and I learned a lot of things playing ice hockey that uh, had nothing to do with ice hockey. And I think if you personally have an athletic background, you can probably um, attest to that and probably have similar stories. But I'll just share one little story with you from when I was playing in the United States Hockey League for the Madison Capitals uh, back, way back, <laughs> almost uh, almost 30 years ago. So I think this was in 1990 um, <clears throat> when this particular story took place. So we were a pretty good team, the Madison Capitals uh, Junior A team. Uh, I think we were probably in fourth place in the league. And we had to play away against the Dubuque Fighting Saints, who were in the last place in the United States Hockey League. Um, at the time. And I remember we had, it was about a three and a half to maybe four hour bus ride. And my memory may be scrambled. Maybe it was three, two and a half. I don't, it doesn't really matter. But we lost. We had probably the worst game of our season that night. We lost. We really stunk up the place. And I remember our coach being so upset and angry and just really pissed off with us that he wouldn't talk to us after the game. He said, get your stuff, get out, get on the bus. So I remember we got back to Madison, I want to say it was one in the morning. And before he let anybody get off the bus, he stood up in front of the bus. He hadn't said anything the whole ride back, but he was just stewing, right? You could tell by looking at the guy, steam was coming out of his ears. Um, and that coach was uh, Coach Scott Owens, who went on to coach at Colorado College for a number of years and is still coaching. And what a fantastic guy, what a fantastic coach who I learned so much from. Um, but anyway... He gets up, we pull into the parking lot, he gets up, stands in front of the group. All he says, it's about one in the morning, all he says was, be back here at 6.30. And then he got off the bus, got in his car, and left, went home. So, you know, we knew that it, <laughs> we knew something bad was going to happen. So we all got back there at 6.30, you know, dressed in our gear, ready to go on the ice. Gear still wet, didn't have a chance to dry, you know, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, yeah, it was a very short uh, break for the gear. So we get out there. Um, 
<clears throat> out on the ice, none of the lights at the rink are on. The only light in the rink was this like analog Pepsi clock down at one end of the one end of the rink. So it was very dim. You know, the lighting wasn't great. And he just said <clears throat> he didn't say anything to us except get on the line. And then he proceeded to make a skate sprint for an hour and, you know, saying things like, if you don't want to work, then we'll make your work now. And the sprints we were doing was you'd start sitting on the bench and you'd jump off onto the ice, skate across, touch the other boards, skate back, jump back on the bench, sit down and then get up and do it again. And we did this for about an hour. And I remember sitting there thinking that, you know, I'm not going to let this guy beat me. I'm not going to let anything, there's no outside force that can break my spirit. And I remember thinking that very clearly. And I remember thinking, you know, almost uh, as, the, as the time went on, as the hour went on, maybe it was an hour and a half, I'm not 100% I'm not, uh, sure. Memory is a little foggy. Um, but I just remember thinking that the only thing that can break me is me. That no outside force can break me here. And that was a lesson that I learned that had absolutely nothing to do with athletics. That had everything to do with just that specific, uh, you know, it had nothing to do with hockey. It didn't make me a better player, but I think it really did make me a stronger person. And, you know, as I've gone through life in the 30 years since, um, you know, there are certain times when you're faced with very difficult circumstances and when you have experiences like that in your past that you can draw on, uh, it's incredibly valuable. Um, and it's interesting, uh, when the movie Miracle came out about the 1980 Olympic hockey team, there was a very similar scene or they were playing somewhere in Scandinavia and they, I don't know if they lost or tied or whatever, but then the coach, uh, in the movie, Herb Brooks, you know, had a whistle and made him skate sprints until, uh, you know, they had this big, uh, aha moment and realized that <laughs> anyway, I won't ruin it for you, but it's a great film. Um, but it was very interesting to me to see that because of the similar experience that I had when I was playing hockey. Anyway, the idea is that, um, you know, transference or transfer of learning is taking something from one, uh, one genre that you learn about and applying it totally in a totally different context somewhere else. And that's sort of one of the big goals of educators is to get kids apply that knowledge somewhere else. So, for example, I have a friend who's a math teacher, and I remember gutting it out in a class in college in calculus, and I finally got this math teacher to admit uh, that there's no practical application for calculus unless you're an engineer, right? But the idea is that you're learning logic and you're learning problem solving and that there's going to be transference that takes place. Um, but I was finally, after years of cajoling this woman, got her to admit, yeah, there's no, there's no reason unless you're going to be an engineer to study calculus. So that made me feel, <laughs> made me feel pretty good. So it's the same with bushcraft and survival training. As I said, when we started that very few people who play sports will become professional athletes, that very few people who study bushcraft, survival, guide training will go on to become a full-time professional guide or survival instructor. Um, and that's okay. But going through the process, uh, going through the training can still reap enormous benefits for you through transfer of learning. So things that you learn in the woods are directly transferable to life outside the woods. So, you know, there's a lot more going on on our field school programs than simply learning about bushcraft. So the, uh, the point of today's podcast is to talk about seven uh, things that people learn on our courses that have nothing to do with bushcraft and that 
they can achieve transfer of learning through to help them become better um, people, better business people, you know, better students, um, and just better at life. So in no particular order, here are seven things that I came up with. There's seven, seven reasons to take a bushcraft course um, with us or somebody else uh, that will help you become better. So number one, methodology for learning anything. So on our course, people are busy, you know, sun up to sun down pretty much every day of the course. We do take weekends off, but, uh, and during that time, they're learning all about plants, mammals, you know, physics of shelter, physics of fire. So a lot of things that they hadn't learned before. So in the early days, we didn't spend a lot of time on methodology for achieving this, but you know, in the past, this is year 21 for us. So we've been at it a while. Um, these days, we spend a lot of time thinking about the methodology or how are people going to learn this and what, is the, what are the best practices for us as instructors to help people to learn and to internalize this stuff. So, you know, those learning methodologies are completely transferable to learning any new skill. You know, there's the, the, the process that we go through of, of writing things down, of documenting, of recording information, of putting things into practice in the field. All of those ideas behind our methodology are 100% transferable. So, for example, if, if a student who participated in one of our courses wanted to go learn something completely new, they would be armed with a great methodology for how to do so. And that has nothing to do with bushcraft or guide training or whatever. So, number two, leadership skills. So this includes both if you are the leader of the group or if you are not the leader of a group. And these are good teamwork skills that really apply in business, in life, in athletics, you know, just about anywhere. Our leadership um, curriculum is sort of forged in the idea of the expedition as an integral part of outdoor learning. So on an expedition, we've got a group of people that come together with the same goal and the same desired outcomes. And we take turns as to who is the the guides guide team for the day. Um, so when you're the guide team, you're responsible for running everything in camp for that day. All the food, all the all the water, sanitation, uh, or sanitizing. Not sanitation, not like we have like running water and plumbing, but sanitizing meaning processing raw river or lake water into uh, stuff that's safe to drink. Um, so in outdoor education, uh, they call teamwork skills um, expedition behavior. So essentially, it's how to be a better member of a team, you know, whether you're in a leadership role or as part of the crew getting things done. You know, in our courses, you're placed into both roles, both in a in a organic uh, way and then also, you know, in the way of you're the, officially the guide for the day today. So how are you going to, to communicate information? How are you going to get things done? How are you going to delegate? So all those things, which are hugely valuable, way beyond bushcraft, way beyond the woods, you know, find me a business that doesn't thrive when the team is thriving and working together. And, uh, well, I don't think you can do it. I just think it's a huge part of of success in general. So leadership skills, hugely transferable. Number three, creative problem solving. We do it every day on our long, long courses. Um, and it is a muscle, meaning that the more you do it, the better, the more efficient and the faster that you get at it. So for example, you know, building shelters with what you have on, 
you know, on hand as far as raw materials, finding good tinder for fires and thinking outside the box. Essentially, it's recognizing unused resources and putting them into play. So creative problem solving, huge in business, huge in life, um, way, way bigger than bushcraft. <clears throat> Number four is planning and project management. So before we go on our expeditions during our programs, um, we have to work through the expedition preparation curriculum. And in this curriculum, the details matter. So for example, if you're packing food for a, a 10 day trip, as people did a couple of weeks ago when we finished up the spring semester, you know, if you just sort of wing it and throw a couple of boxes of pasta into the, into the dry box um, for the trip, you know, maybe you get to day six of the 10 day expedition and you run out of food. So, you know, being very particular in the planning process and measuring amounts and weighing things and knowing exactly how much and knowing exactly what meal this stuff goes to, um, you know, recording all the information that we need for safety. For example, where is the nearest hospital? What's the phone number to the state police? Where are we going to be camped? When are we supposed to be back? So all these detail oriented things are hugely important with regards to planning and project management. And these, like the others, no surprise here, are way bigger than bushcraft. So these skills and the experience that, you, that, that a person gets as they work through this curriculum, hugely beneficial working through any difficult or complex event when you're planning for it. So the methods matter and lots of attention to detail. Number five would be hand skills. So in the modern world, often we use our hands only for working screens and keyboards and uh, things like that. So on our courses, we add the practical hand tool component. So the idea is that you ha your hands are how our hands are how we interact with the natural world around us. So being able to do useful things with them that maybe up to this point in life people haven't done really helps to kind of change the brain a bit to where, you know, they know that they can accomplish certain things. So I always like to say that we never learn or you can't learn how to make complex crafts from scratch. Like no one jumps into learning how to make a few things with their hands into building like a wood canvas canoe, right? We like to say, or I like to say that the, the process of crafting, the process of working with your hands is cumulative. Um, and what that means is instead of jumping into building a canoe, first we learn how to make a bunch of simple crafts and then we put all that knowledge together to create complex crafts. The process is cumulative and at the field school you work on it every day. So for example, at the beginning of the course, when we carve something really simple, like say we make our first bow drill set. The beginning of a long course, maybe it takes people an hour to make their first bow drill set. And by the end of it, as we saw, or as I witnessed on our recent expedition, people are knocking out bow drill sets, you know, making them start to finish in about five minutes. So as you get better, as you get more experienced, you know the limits, you know how hard you can push things, you know how quickly you can accomplish things. So taking your hands from things that are just sort of, you know, very pampered in the modern world and using them like we have that got our species where we are, um, that's hugely beneficial for people. Number six, soft skills. 
when I was a young guy, um, you know, guiding trips and things, I used to poo-poo the soft skills. There were so many books about them and everybody talked about them. And what used to really bug me about it, and it still does bug me, is that people will pursue soft skill excellence and totally ignore hard skills. And that doesn't appeal to me at all. I think there's a balance to be had there. It's never just about the soft skills. Um, and I remember being on a trip once and there was a guy who had very, very poor hard skills and he wouldn't stop talking about drinking water. And by about day seven of this trip, you know, we were all sort of like, we get it. We need to stay hydrated. You don't need to keep reminding us it's not helpful anymore. So, um, but the, you know, soft skills, in my opinion, at this point in my career, they make the difference between a successful trip, a successful course, and one that isn't successful. So they're a huge part of what we teach at the field school. So soft skills are people skills, right? Soft skills are, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about already, like leadership, like problem solving, like communication. So really how you deal and interact with other people. And this isn't a big deal, um, you know, when it's sunny and 70 degrees, but when things are more difficult, you know, when, when the weather is challenging, when there's a lot of interpersonal conflict coming up, being able to mitigate and deal with that and still keep the group focused on the task and working towards the ultimate goal, you know, that's the test of the soft skills. And when one can pull that off, you know, those skills are directly transferable to every sort of business environment, every academic environment, you know, families, uh, my family life has benefited greatly from me working on my soft skills. So there's really, I can't think of any interaction whenever you're dealing with another person in this world, soft skills come into play. So we work on them every day during the, uh, field school programs. And again, it's like a muscle. The more you work it, the stronger you get, the better you get at it. And those skills, those soft skills will help you dramatically as you go through life. Has, that's been my experience anyway. So number seven, the final one on our list today is confidence. We have had a lot of people over the years come to us at the field school without a large amount of self-confidence. And I've witnessed people change. I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, knowledge and experience are an antidote to fear. Confidence built on knowledge and experience and pushing back the boundaries of what you think you can do and what is possible, you know, that it changes a person. I am fond of saying that when you leave this course, think, talking about a semester course, that when you've had this experience and you go back into the world, you literally live in a different world and experience it differently than other people. To the person who is very self-confident, you know, and I'm not talking about being bombastic and loud and, and sort of, uh, you know, overly talking up how great you are or something. What I'm talking about is being that quiet professional, knowing that you can solve the problems or any problem that will come up, knowing that you can do something. Not because you think you can and it's not false bravado, but knowing because you've done it before. You've been there before. You know you can. You don't think you can. And when you live in that world, when you live in that world fueled by confidence based on experience, again, you live in a different world than most people. Most people, my experience has taught me, are pretty afraid. You know, they have that uh, imposter syndrome or imposter complex that, you know, what if everybody finds out that I'm a fraud, that internal monologue people worried about that and i don't think i haven't ever read anything about you know what about the difference that someone has who is just really self-confident knows they can and it's not false bravado but i can assure you it's something totally different 
than the imposter complex. And, you know, for me or in anyways, it goes something like, I don't need to make a big splash here, but if anything happens, I know that I can take care of the situation. So confidence is an absolutely enormous, enormous um, transferable skill that comes from participating in a wilderness survival or, or guide training or long-term wilderness program. You've been there, you've done that, you absolutely know that you can do it. And again, you just live in a different world at that point. So to recap, in no particular order, our seven um, transfer of learning objectives that you get for particip from participating in a wilderness course. Number one is a methodology for learning anything. Number two, leadership and teamwork skills. Number three, creative problem solving. Number four, planning and project management. Number five, hand skills. Number six, soft skills or people skills. And number seven, self-confidence. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast this morning. If you find it useful, please leave us a review or share it with somebody. So thank you for listening and we'll catch you again later. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.